take your Bibles, if you've got them, turn with me to the book of Psalm chapter 46. Psalm 46. Bring me a pulpit. Thank you, sir. Psalm 46. Psalm 46. We have a great time tonight. Let me ask you this. If I show you something in the Bible, will you believe it? Will you believe it if you can plainly see it in there? All right, we're going to look tonight at the river that runs through the Bible. There is a river that runs all the way through the Bible. We're going to look at this river. I love this river. I mean, I flat love this river that runs through the Bible. And we're going to look at it. And uh, I want you you to uh, do me a favor tonight and say, maybe there's something I haven't seen yet. Maybe there's something I don't know about this. And so I want you to let your heart be opened and your mind open and let Jesus speak to us tonight. Psalm chapter 46, there is a river. The Bible says this in Psalm 46, 4. There is a river, so there is one, whose streams shall make glad the city of God. Let me tell you something. There is a river whose streams will make glad the city of God. This river is speaking about the whole, the name of this river is the Holy Spirit of God. And we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit tonight. I love the Holy Spirit of God. I love Him uh, the, he has he has carried me and been so good to me. And a lot of times you say Holy Spirit and people either they get nervous or they say, I know that. I want you to look in that passage right there. What does the Holy Spirit do? There is a river whose streams do what? Make glad the city of God. When you see city of God in the Old Testament, it's often referred to city of God, people of God, Zion. It's the same thing as the family of God or the body of Christ in the New Testament. Tell me the effect the Holy Spirit has on people. Say, well, you know, my grandma, she was Pentecostal and she talked about the Holy Ghost and it caused her to act real weird. I don't see weird in there. I see the Holy Spirit, the river of God will make glad the people of God. And we're going to talk about him tonight. This river runs all the way through the Bible. No doubt if you're a believer, even if you're not a believer, you've heard of the Holy Spirit. Can we go back to the Bible tonight and look at it again? Can we see it in a little different light tonight? Let me tell you something. And I'm going to show you in the end that 90 plus percent of all believers I know need a new revelation of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to show you to you in Scripture. We need a revelation of who this third person is. It's called the third person of the Trinity. You have God the Father seated on his throne, God, the son, who is Jesus Christ. But there is a God called the Holy Spirit equal to the other two. He is the only God working in the earth right now. And he's wonderful. And so I want us to look in scripture tonight at a revelation of the Holy Spirit. I want you to turn with me to the premier passage where the Holy Spirit is revealed in the Bible. It is Ezekiel chapter 47. You can turn right from the Psalm. You go through the prophets, the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, you'll see a book called Lamentations. Then you'll see Ezekiel. And in Ezekiel chapter 47, I believe it's the premier passage in the Bible about the Holy Spirit coming into the earth. Ezekiel chapter 47. I don't want us to look at this. Now, we begin in Ezekiel 47 and the Bible says this. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. We got to know who the he and the me is. The me is the prophet Ezekiel and Ezekiel is fixing to tell something that God is showing him that's coming in the earth. It's prophecy. Now, let me tell you why this is so important. There's an amazing verse in the Bible that says this, Amos, Amos. I've been so used to calling the rabbit Amos, Amos 3, 7. And it says this, the Lord God does nothing unless he first shows it to his servants, the prophets. 
Everything God does in the earth, he shows it to a man first. He shows it to the prophets. And this is where he's showing it to the prophets. Now the me, the he who's showing this man something is not the father. It is an angel. And this angel is revealing to this man something that God's going to do in the earth. Uh, When the father talks to people, he often uses angels. Perhaps you've heard of a book called Revelation. And it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. But who brought the revelation in the book of Revelation? Well, it begins like this. The revelation of Jesus Christ, whom God gave to his servants and he sent and he signified it by his angel to John. So the angel brought the message and here the angel is going to bring a message. Now, this is a prophetic word. In other words, it's a picture and you're going to have to find out what's in the picture. Let's read it. Ezekiel 47, one. He brought me back to the door of the temple. There was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. And then he talks about water flowing out. First two verses, right? You got a picture. He said, he brings me to this place. He brings me. Now the temple is not the temple in Jerusalem. This is the sanctuary of God. This is God's throne room. And he brings me to the throne room of God. The door is closed on it. And he shows him a picture of water flowing out from underneath that door. So the water's flowing from the throne of God. It's flowing out of the door. And he sees this flowing out. All right, he takes him and he shows him this. Uh, Let's read verse three. When the man went out to the east with a line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits and brought me through the water. The water came to my ankles. All right, the Bible talks about he's he's walking me through this river. The next two verses say he measured 1,000 more. It came up to my knees. He measured 1,000 more. It came to my waist. He measured 1,000 more and it was water that I, I had to swim in. I was overwhelmed by this water. And verse six, he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? He brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. What you've got here is a river that is flowing out from underneath the very door of God's throne room. So where's the river flow from? from? It flows from the throne of God. And you're going to see this later in Revelation, but this river's flow. I want you to get the picture in your mind. This river's flowing out from the throne of God. Tremendous river. All right, verse seven. I returned there along the bank of the river. There were many trees on one side of the other. Then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, enters the sea. And when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. Anytime, you've got a river that flows from on high, it flows down and it flows into what? Flows into the sea. Anytime you see the word sea, S-E-A, in prophetic literature, it's not talking about the ocean, as in at the edge of the North Carolina Outer Banks. The sea always refers to humanity in prophetic literature, prophetic language. This is a river that flows down to humanity. And what happens when this river gets to humanity? Its waters are healed. Do you see the picture he's painting? There is a river that flows from God into the earth and it brings healing into the earth. And this is the picture of the Holy Spirit coming from God to bring healing into the peoples. Watch the description here. Verse nine, it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the rivers go will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there. They will be healed for everything will live wherever the river goes. Can you see that? Wherever this river goes, it's going to bring life and it's going to bring healing. Now, it doesn't mean life as in your blood is flowing through your body. It's going to bring the life of God to people. It's going to bring hope and joy and forgiveness and freedom and peace and vision. And this is a picture of the Holy Spirit of God coming to people from the throne. And it's going to make them come alive and it's going to heal their lives and bring hope back into their lives. What a wonderful picture of the Holy Spirit. Here, Let's follow it a little bit further. All right, verse 10. It shall be that fishermen will stand by from Engedi to Eneglim. 
There will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be of the same kinds of the fish of the great sea. That's capitalized. That's all of humanity, exceeding many. So what does the Bible teach right there? What did Jesus say in Mark 1, 1, 17? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The Bible said when the Holy Spirit comes into the earth, people are going to come to Jesus and people are going to talk to people about Jesus. And wherever the Holy Spirit is, people are going to be brought to Jesus. It's a picture of, you know, they'll catch fish. Obviously, talking about people here and out of the great sea, people are going to be rounded up. Listen, you can be the greatest preacher in the world, have the greatest scripture. Nobody will ever come to Jesus unless the Holy Spirit comes to them. Only the Spirit of God can draw people to Christ. And this is a picture that God will send His Spirit from the throne and people will be harvested and become sons and daughters of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to skip verse 11 and come back. Here's the description, verse 12. Along the bank of the river on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither. Their fruit will not fail. They'll bear fruit every month because their water flows from where? From the sanctuary. And the Bible said this, their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. What's that picture of? You've got this river flowing from heaven and there are trees on both sides of the river. And these trees yield fruit for the healing and the feeding of the nations. And it says that the trees are going to thrive. Why? Because there is a flow coming from the throne of God. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit providing. Now, it mentions that there'll be food and healing. Well, food is strength. It's nourishment. It's nutrition. Healing is when lives get put back together again in healing. Wherever the Holy Spirit goes, people are going to come to Jesus. Their lives are going to be healed. They're going to be nurtured. They're going to be cared for. This is what the Holy Spirit of God does coming into the earth. There is a river. He's working in the earth today. He brings gladness to the city of God, the people of God. He brings life. He brings healing. He changes lives. This is a mighty river that flows from heaven and is called the Holy Spirit. I've heard of that before, but now we have a problem in this picture. Let's go back and look at verse 11 where it says this, but it's swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Anytime you see salt in the old covenant, it talks of a barren wasteland. Uh, Jeremiah verse chapter 17, a barren wasteland. All right, I want you to get the picture in our mind. What do we got? We got a picture of the very throne room of God. There's a river flowing out of it into the earth. Wherever the river goes, people come alive. They're healed. Their lives are blessed. There's nutrition. There's healing. The leaves are growing. But it talks about a swamp. And it says that swamp, nothing can live in that swamp. Now, I want you to get this picture. Very important here. I fish the rivers I used to. My job's got me so busy now I can't fish. I used to fish the rivers of eastern North Carolina. And you'd have these great fishing rivers. But right beside the rivers, you'd have swampland. And you, you could be here fishing in a river that's just full of fish and you could pitch a rock into a swamp. Right over that mound is a, a swamp, uh, whatever was several that are large in North Carolina. And in that swamp, uh, it's over there. Listen, fish can't live in the swamp. Nothing can live in the swamp. What makes a swamp unlivable and makes it what it is? No fresh water can get in there. There's usually a berm or a barrier that keeps the river from flowing into that swamp. And a body of water that doesn't receive a fresh flow of fresh water will quickly become a swamp. Now, you know, he's not talking about literal swamps here. These are churches, denominations, lives, people that have put up a barrier against the Holy Spirit of God and are not letting him come into their lives and bring fresh life. And he said the swamps will be uninhabited and there'll be a marsh wasteland. Now, <clears throat> what rules in the swamp? Well, you ask most women when you talk about swamps, what do they think of? 
snakes. The serpent rules in the swamp. Dear ones, how many places it used to be alive, the serpent now rules in those places. There's no life. There's no healing. You can't live there. And, and this is a picture that shows us how dangerous it is as a church or as a people, or as a person to reject the Holy Spirit of God and not let him do a fresh work in our lives continually. And the Bible says here that they, they, grow, they grow fruit. They grow fruit because the river is flowing constantly. The Holy Spirit's not a neat option. He is life. He's a necessity. You have to have him. And so this is the great picture. And this river flows from the first page of the Bible to the last page of the Bible. He flows all the way through there. I want to make an announcement. We have missed it on the river, but there is a river whose streams will make glad the city of God. And we have got to get back to the Holy Spirit that's in the Bible, this wonderful picture of him. So this is where he revealed. Now, listen, this man was a prophet and he said, uh, God has shown me that there's something flowing from his throne that can bring life and bring healing and, and nurture and cause people to come to Christ. Then was, why is it that the majority of churches in America don't see anybody get saved? Why are churches shrinking? There can't be, but one, you don't have to be smart. You don't have to be well-educated. You have to have the river. You have to have the spirit of God working in your life and in your church and, and in your land. It, it doesn't matter what you were yesterday. Every swamp was alive at one time, but it's dead now because it cannot receive a fresh flow. And we have got to have a fresh work of God in our lives constantly. Or are we going to become, somebody should come up with a show called Swamp People. Swamp People. You know what swamp people is? As Christians and churches and lands that are not experiencing the Holy Spirit anymore. We don't want that. The Bible said there is, and, and this is a revelation. As a young man and as a young preacher, I was never taught this. Until one day God said, let me take you and show you that there's a river flowing from my throne. And let me show you what he can do. And he paints a picture of this wonderful river when he comes through here. Now, we'll cut to the chase. The secret to everything is the Holy Spirit. The secret to everything in life is the Holy Spirit. You, you, you will either have him working in your life and you will prosper and bear fruit and thrive or you will die. There's no, he's it. Let me make an announcement about the Holy Spirit. I mentioned the three Godhead, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. The God, the Holy Spirit is the only God working in the earth right now. God, the Father is on his throne. Jesus is seated at his right hand praying for me. The Holy Spirit of God is the only God working in the earth right now. And we must deal with him. We have to have him to live. Now, the Bible says that we get a revelation that there is a river. He makes glad the city of God. But dear ones, even if I'm a believer, I have to choose to experience the Holy Spirit. I have to make a decision. I want to show you where you have to make that decision. And this is another picture of the river. Turn with me to Psalm chapter one. Now, this is the first one I ever memorized. I love this picture of God's spirit. Psalm chapter one. In case you're a person who would like for God to do something great for you, this is the psalm you want to go to right here. Psalm chapter one says this, blessed is the man. What does it mean blessed? God's going to do great things for you. Blessed is the man who walks not in the way of the wicked, stands in the path of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. There's some things you've got to give up to be blessed by God. Amen. Got to have two. Amen. Okay, there's two. There's some things you have to give up to be blessed by God. Oh, but what you gain, <laughs> what you gain. He walks not in the way of the wicked. All right, the Bible says this, his delight is in the revelation of the Lord. And in that revelation, he meditates day and night. Now watch the picture. 
He shall be like a tree planted by the what? The river, the rivers of water. There's this river, that you, this river flows all through the Bible. You see him everywhere. That he's, he's planted by the rivers of water. Now watch his life. He brings forth his fruit in its season. What is fruit? You know, fruit is not activity. I can pick up groceries and give them to somebody because I got a big heart. I can work on a habitat house because that's a good thing to do. And we do that stuff here. That's not fruit. That's activity. Fruit is what only God can do. Only God. I can plant a tree, but only God can make an apple show up on it. I can plant a tree, but only God can make a peach show up on it. Fruit is what only God can do. The person who's planted by the river will see things in their life in the right seasons. And you'll say only God could have done that. That is God working right there. All right. The Bible said they'll bear fruit in their season. Their leaves shall not wither. Take a wild guess because there's a strength that comes from this river and you're, you're not beat down. You're not broken. There's a time to weep. There's a time. But it was when the Bible talks about a, a, a leaf that withers, you just, you sing songs like just a few more weary days. You're withered, doc. What does it say? You will not wither if you find this river. And then also he said this, and this caught my attention first time I read it. Whatever he does, he'll be successful at. How would you like for God to do something so that you prosper in everything you do? Marriage, relationships, business, inside. All right, do you see the picture? All right, here's the picture. I love, our father is a picture painter and he paints a picture here. I want you to look out across the open field and here's a river flowing through that field. You can see the river. And in the distance, you can see other trees. They're out away from the river, but there's one tree planted right beside that river. Got it? Is that not the picture? Here's a man who is planted beside the river and this tree is thriving. I mean, it's green, it's strong, it's fresh, got fruit hanging on it. You look out in a time of drought, those other trees, they're brown, they're turning brown, the leaves are falling. This one's still healthy. What's the secret? Is it because he's a real smart tree? What's the secret? It's where he's planted. Can you not see that underground where nobody can see his roots have gone down and done what? Those roots have tapped into that river. And those roots have gone into that riverbed and that tree is drawing its strength from where? The river that flows. Now, you know good and well, he's not talking about pineapple trees here and literal rivers. He's talking about a person who plants themselves in a place where the Holy Spirit can constantly nourish them. But they planted themselves there. Do you notice blessed is the man who you got to do some things and he, he removes himself from one place, the path of sin, but he decides to plant himself right beside the Holy Spirit and he's learned how to draw from the Holy Spirit. He's learned how, listen, he's learned how to receive strength and life from the Holy Spirit. And uh, the roots are underground, you can't see it. But you can see the fruit on the top and you can see his strength, you can see his life. This is a wonderful picture, this river that flows. Through. There is a river that's available to God's people. And you can see what he does. He gives strength and life and he gives hope to people. And this is a wonderful revelation of that river. And uh, let me tell you what I noticed in that passage right there. I got to plant myself by that river. Are you ready? I'm going to go deep here. We don't normally do this on Wednesdays or Sundays, but I'm going to go deep here. I have to decide to plant myself. Uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't, you notice the river didn't chase the tree down. The tree planted himself by the river and I need him desperately, but I must make up my mind to plant myself there. I'm going to go ahead and get ahead here. You can be saved you can love Jesus. You can be going to heaven when you die and be a good person and still not be near the river. You have got to touch God's spirit 
in order for this, do you understand? It's like, a, it's like I, when I hear this, when I hear my father say, there is a river whose streams will make glad the city. It's like, I am looking so forward to telling y'all about this because you need it. And we need it desperately. Here's the promise. Now, uh, let, me, let me just, let me take a little time out here before we look at the last one. What is the identifying mark of the river in the Bible? What's the identifying mark? Now, now, I pray this don't offend you. If it does offend you, maybe it'll change you. Is it tongues? You know, a lot of, they got certain groups say, well, you know, the Holy Ghost is tongues. If you got the Holy Ghost, you got tongues. You ain't got tongues, you ain't got the Holy Ghost. Folks ask me, do you ever have trouble with tongues in your church? Oh, yes, a lot of times. I got too many folks running their tongues, cause trouble for me around here. But, but, and the Bible does, listen, I'm, I'm not against tongues. I promise you, I speak in tongues more than y'all probably. But anyways, I know people that speak in tongues that are full of the devil. It is not the identifying mark in the Bible. I know folks that, that think it's some kind of weird behavior that, you know, well, you got to wear a black dress and keep your hair in a bun. I'd be out of luck if I'd keep my hair in a bun and, and all this stuff. And other folks think it's a reverence. It is not. What is the identifying mark of the Holy Spirit in a person's life? There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God. The identifying mark of the Holy Spirit is the joy of God in people's lives. He just brings strength and joy into people's lives. That's, that's the Holy Spirit of the Bible. I want you to look with me in Acts chapter 13. Let's have some fun at religious people's expense. We've been doing that for a little while now. Acts chapter 13. I can remember the first time I ever heard a preacher preach about the Holy Spirit, but he didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. He talked about the whole, sort of like an old Dodge that couldn't get cranked. Oh, he just went on and on. I'm not faking, making fun of the truth. I'm making fun of the preacher. Dear ones, where do we get this stuff from? How about let's go back to the Bible. The Bible says in Acts chapter 13, verse 52, watch what it says. And the disciples were filled with what? Joy and with the Holy Spirit. What two things do you always see together? The Holy Spirit is the author of joy. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's flowing on the inside and I've connected with the river, guess what you're going to see on the outside? Brother Brian, nobody can be joyous in these difficult times we live in. That's why you need, to be, you need a revelation of the river. That's why you need him. Let me tell you, matter of fact, let me tell you how important this is. Nehemiah says it this way. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You lose the joy of the Lord, guess what you lose? And it's not, it's not Brother Brian having a great personality. It is the joy of the Lord. It comes from the river. And there is a stream whose, whose river, whose streams make glad the city of God. I don't want you to turn. Let's, let's stay in the book of Acts. Turn back with me to Acts chapter 1. And I want you to see the promise. Acts chapter 1. Well, let's turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 there. I don't want to point something out. And this sort of rocks people's theology. Listen, our theology needs to be rocked. What we've been taught needs to be challenged. Because let me tell you something about you. So don't mess with people's theology. Oh, yes. Yes, we're going to do it. Let me tell you something. This book will stand up to scrutiny. It can stand questions. And Acts chapter two, you know, this is the passage where the, if the Holy Spirit was promised, this is where a group of believers experienced the Holy Spirit of God. He came mightily. Uh, I think it's verse four. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were, I think verse one says they were all with one accord in one place. Verse four, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they did begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. But I want you to look with me in verse 13. Others mocking said they are full of new wine. That's always perplexed me. That when the Holy Spirit of God came for the first time in the Bible, did they get reverent or did they get drunk? Well, does anybody here know what full of new wine means? A few of you may not, but a number of folks who go to my church do. They were full of new wine. People thought they were drunk. Now, let me ask you a question. We talked about this a few weeks ago. 
you look into a church service, you know, one Sunday morning and you look in there, what would cause you to think they were all drunk? Maybe the way they were acting? Uh, what do you see when people are wasting away in Margaritaville? What, what do you see? Are they reverent? Are they depressed? Do they look like they've been vaccinated with pickle juice and stuff with a curtain rod? What do they look like? There's a ha- they are so happy. So ha- there's just a joy. That's what the people looked in when they saw. Who made these people so happy they thought they were drunk? Is this not the Holy Spirit of God comes? You say, I, just, I can't believe you're saying this. I'm reading it, Doc. I'm not saying it. I'm reading it. The mark of the Spirit of God is always seen by the joy that Jesus brings into people's lives. And he brings Jesus' life in. All right, we're going to go to the end of this chapter for a couple of verses. And let's, let's clarify, this is what it looks like when the Holy Spirit comes into a church. Now, that he brings, we've seen that he brings joy into people's lives. Here's what spirit life looks like in a church condensed. Verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine or teaching. A church that has the Spirit of God in it, they're going to love the Bible and they're going to live the Bible because the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible and he draws us to it. All right, watch this. And fellowship. You know what fellowship is? We're going to get along with one another because when the Holy Spirit comes, he causes us to get along with one another. It mentions several places that they broke bread together, they ate together. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not. You can take a Yeats. I started to say Yeats. Let's not do that. You can take a Hendrick built racing engine, you know, in the $30,000 range. I don't care how well that engine's built. I don't care if it's spec to perfection. If you don't put oil in it before you turn it on, guess what's going to happen? Those parts rubbing against one another in there, there's going to be friction, there's going to be friction, and you're going to blow that engine all to pieces. Any engineers in the room, I can get a witness. Let the oil go out of the engine, it'll blow all to pieces. I don't care how great the engine is, but if you'll put oil in it, it is the oil that allows the parts to rub against one another and not have friction. Get it? I don't care how great your church is, how smart the people are. If you don't have the Holy Spirit in it, people are going to rub each other wrong and they're going to be friction. It's going to blow all to pieces. A marriage. Let me tell you what a marriage needs. More than it needs a scholarship, it needs the Holy Spirit. You need the presence of God that causes people that, that causes people to live with each other and love each other. And that's exactly how it describes it here. I want you to look with me in the breaking of bread. Uh, look down in verse 45. They were together. Verse 45. They were all together, had everything in common, sold their possessions and goods, divided them among everybody continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with what? Glad, by the way, y'all can answer. Ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. What do you always see when the Holy Spirit comes into a place? The gladness of God comes in people's lives and his joy comes in people's hearts and lives. You see the picture here? Verse 47, tell me what else they did. Praising God. Wherever the Holy Spirit is, you're going to be excited about what he's done. You're going to praise him and magnify him. And again, I want to say, I've had people say, well, we prefer our services to be reverent. That's not the word God uses. That sounds more like, I'm not, I don't mean to be unkind. That sounds more like a swamp to me. Dear ones, any place the Holy Spirit showed up in the Bible, it set off a rejoicing party because of the joy it brought into people's lives. And they're praising God. And the scripture said the Lord just added to the crowd. Of course, he'd add to the crowd. It's the identifying mark of the scripture. I want to take you, I want you to mark this for me. One place in the Bible says this is the kingdom of God. Here it is. Romans 14, 17. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Tell me what the Holy Spirit brings into our life when it comes in. What are the three things? Righteousness, peace, and joy. I'm telling you, wherever the Spirit of God is, there's going to be great joy on the inside. Now, here's the question. Do I need this river? 
What do you think? Certainly we do. So the Bible said that he brings great life into us and that he honors us. Now, I want you to look with me at the last revelation of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And it's on the last page of the Bible. See if you see a parallel. Turn with me to the last page of the Bible. Revelation chapter 22. In Revelation 22, we see a wonderful picture here. See if you've seen this before in Scripture. Now, Revelation is a revelation. It's where the Lord shows us things that we can't see otherwise. And in Revelation 22, you see this picture. Now, all through Revelation, let me tell you what you have in this book. There is an angel that is showing John. John's the author. He wrote it. And he is the John of James and John, the two brothers that followed Jesus. And in this book, he's showing, he shows him the, he shows him the city of God. He shows him the future. He shows him the judgments. And this is the last thing that he shows him in the Bible, verse chapter 22, verse one. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding from where? From the throne of God and the lamb. Is that not the same thing you saw in the book of Ezekiel? Is this not the same river flowing from God's throne? What's the last picture in the Bible? It's the Holy Spirit of God. And it's, you say, well, that, that Ezekiel, that might have been for old days. Revelation 22 is for today. You can't get no further than that. And he shows him a picture that there, listen, dear ones, there's still a river flowing from the throne of God. The Holy Spirit is still coming into the earth. Look at the description in the next verse. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves in the tree were for the what? Healing of the nations. What do you say in Ezekiel? When this river gets to the sea, it will heal the sea. It'll heal the people. So the last thing we see in the Bible, this river that flows all the way through the Bible, you see that it's still flowing from God today. It's flowing from Jesus, who is the lamb, and it's still bringing healing in the earth. What do we need in this earth right now? We need the healing touch of God. Homes need the healing touch of God. Hearts need the healing touch of God. Tell me what we need. We don't need more knowledge. We got plenty of knowledge right now. We don't need more information. We need the Holy Spirit of God. Because I want to make an announcement from the book of Revelation. The river is still flowing today. He's coming from the throne of God and he's healing the nations. He's healing people's hearts and lives. This is why many churches, many believers believe that the Holy Spirit's okay, but sort of keep him over there. He's not okay. Keep him over there. He's the greatest need we have. The greatest need of our lives is to be touched by God, by his spirit and to plant ourselves where His Spirit can walk in our lives and flow into our lives. We see in this passage that He flows from the Lamb. But now let me show you one more place the river is in the Bible. The Bible said in Revelation 22, who, where does the river flow from? It flows from the throne of God and the Lamb. Now let me tell you what I've had people say to me. Well, I, I love Jesus. Jesus is wonderful. But that Holy Spirit guy makes me nervous. No, the way somebody handled it made you nervous. He didn't make you nervous. He's wonderful. Dear ones, the Holy Spirit is Jesus. They're the same. Can you not see that the Spirit flows from the Lamb? Matter of fact, to show you that they're the same, we won't look at it. But in John chapter 16, Jesus said this, I'm going away, you can't come with me. But I'll give you another helper and he will be with you forever and he'll lead you into all truth. Then listen to what he said in the next verse. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Well, which is it? Is he going to send the helper or is he going to come to me? Answer is Yes. Because if the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus has come. Don't, don't ever segregate them too far apart. Like, you know, God's real stern. We, we don't want to cross him. Jesus is really nice and the Holy Spirit's weird. That's the thinking of a lot of people in our lands. No, they are one. The three are one. Matter of fact, the Bible said where the Spirit of the Lord is, 
What's the other mark of the Spirit of God? Freedom. Let me ask you, people, oh, don't bring that Holy Ghost mess around me. What, what do you have against gladness? What do you have against freedom? What do you not like about being healed from the inside out? There's, the Spirit of God is the life of God in the earth. And guess what? Every place the river is allowed to flow, people come alive. Churches come alive. Homes come alive. It's not about tolerating Him. We desperately need Him in our lives and in our churches, in our homes. My goodness, we desperately need Him. Let me show you the other place that the river flows from. Turn with me to John chapter 7. So the Bible said He flows from heaven. But let me show you where else He's going to flow from in the earth. Here we see the river in another. This river is all through the Bible. It just flows through the Bible. All righty. I want you to see something here. <clears throat> this one just dumps everybody's theology upside down. I'm surprised that the people have got this all figured out, but it won't line up with the Bible. L let me help you. you know, my job is to teach you and help you. If what you believe don't line up with the Bible, don't change the Bible to suit what you believe. Change what you believe to suit the Bible. Line up with the scriptures. And look at what the Bible said in John 7, verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Judas stood and cried and said, if anyone thirsts, let him do what? Come to me and drink. Jesus said, if you thirst, come to me and drink. Now, do you think he's talking about H2O? He's talking about physical thirst. Does your heart long for something? Do you need something? Do you? He's not talking about physical thirst. You can get that out of the water cooler. He said, if there's something your heart wants more, come to see me. And he's saying, he's saying to this, who's he saying it to? Those who believe in him. They're already believers. But he's saying, are you a believer who wants something more from God? You, is your heart longing for something more? He said, well, then come to me and drink. Verse 38. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow what? Rivers of living water. There's the river again. Who's the river flowing out of now? It's flowing out of people who go to Jesus and get him. You say, how do you know that's speaking of the Holy Spirit? Read verse 39. This he spoke of the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. What a beautiful picture. Jesus is the river. And the river of life that brings healing and hope to people flows out of Jesus. But what do I have to do? Tell me what I have to do. I have to go to Jesus. And I have to do what? I have to drink. I have to receive a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit from Jesus now tell me the mark in verse 38 of a person who's receiving fresh touches from Jesus. What comes out of them? That same Holy Spirit they got from Jesus flows out of them and flows out to people. I drink for me. I send it out for other people. Jesus touches me and gives me life and fresh life and hope and healing and the excitement of God. And then when I get around people, I just, there it is. This is the picture. Listen, listen to me. Jesus said it like this. Freely you have received freely give. You can't give what you don't have. <laughs> you can't give what you don't have no more and you can come back from where you ain't been. You have got to receive life from God to give life to people. Now, I want to point out something here. This is, uh, I'm, I got my theology on this. I hope it don't offend you, but all, all my life I've experienced people that get sort of weird when it comes to the Holy Spirit. I'm not being unkind. They just get weird and, and they, uh, they act weird and they scare people. I, they scare me. And I know this. I've had them come to me and say, have you, have, you, have you gone all the way? Have you gone all the way? And I think, I just want to say, you got a crick in your neck. What's wrong with you? I, I'm not, I'm just, I'm a truck driver trying to figure this out. Let me make an announcement. The Holy Spirit doesn't make people weird. He makes people wonderful. And if people run from you, you got the wrong Holy Spirit. That's good. I'm going to say it again. If people run from you, you got the wrong Holy Spirit. <laughs> The Holy Spirit don't get offended either. 
Let me prove it to you. Would you say that Jesus Christ had the Holy Spirit? How many of you would agree that Jesus had the Holy Spirit? How many of you would agree that at 30 years old, he went to the Jordan River, was baptized, and the Holy Spirit came down upon him like a dove and descended on him? Would you agree that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit? How many of you would agree? Let's go a little further. Nobody has ever been filled with the Holy Spirit like Jesus has. Would you agree with that? Did people run from Jesus? All right, listen to me. Religious people did, but Luke 15, verse 1, all, all the sinners drew near to him to hear him. When the Holy Spirit of God, the true spirit of this Bible comes into people, they become very attractive and sinners are drawn to them. Listen to what Jesus said. If you act weird, people will run. That's not what he said. If I be lifted up, I will draw men unto me. Dear ones, if you ever meet somebody that walks in the spirit, they're the most attractive. There is a love about them and a joy about them and a peace about them and a hope about them. They are encouragers. The Holy Spirit of God, if we'll go to Jesus and drink, that same spirit will come back out of us and people will be drawn to us. I, we need to get this right about the Holy Spirit, who he is and what he does in people's lives. He doesn't make you weird. He doesn't make you goofy. He makes you wonderful. He is the spirit of God working in the earth and how desperately we need his life in the earth. All righty. <clears throat> now my father's done this. Let me, let me point out something in the original language in John 7, 37. Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now, you can't see this in English, but in the language that it was written in, drink is in the continual ongoing sense. It's in the, in other words, you just got to keep drinking from me. You got to keep drinking from me. You got to keep coming. That's also clarified in Ephesians 5, 18, 17 says this, understand the will of the Lord. Dear ones, listen to the will of God for your life. Verse 18 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the language, it's hard to convey because in Greek, there are eight tenses of verbs in English, we only have three tenses, past, present, and future. But in the Greek, there's a tense that is present and future at the same time. So Ephesians 5.18 should read like this. Be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. Just, just keep on drinking. Just keep letting God pour life into you. Do you remember what a swamp is? A swamp is something that will let water in but one time, but there's no fresh water coming in now. We don't want our lives to grow stagnant and dead, and we sure don't want serpents swimming around inside of our lives we want a continual work of God so that we can be life to people. Continually let it come into our hearts. So we got to clarify that. Now here's, now here's my, my father has painted a picture for you and I in the Bible. There's a river that runs all through the Bible. And our Heavenly Father, because we think better in pictures, he's painted a picture of the river so we can understand. So that's who the Holy Spirit is. He is life-giving and healing and things thrive. And wherever he goes, life goes. What a wonderful picture of it. All right, let me go just a little bit further here before we quit. <clears throat> this Holy Spirit thing. We got two schools of thought on him. Generally in churches, they hold two positions. I hold to neither one of them. And there are two schools of thought. Here they are. I'm just going to help you with this. My uh, evangelical friends, like my Baptist friends and whatnot, they believe that when you get saved, you meet Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in, and he certainly does. If any man have not the Spirit of God, he is not his, Romans chapter 8. And they say, that's it. That's it. The Holy Spirit comes in when you get saved and that's it. Just going to live your life. I disagree. My Pentecostal friends, on the other hand, and my charismatic brethren, they say you need to get saved and then you need to have another experience called a second work of grace, a second blessing, baptism, of the Holy Spirit, different names they have for it. And they say that you get saved and then you have another experience and that's when the Holy Spirit comes in or the Holy Spirit comes in your life. I sort of disagree with both of them. Let me take you back to the book of Ezekiel. You'll just remember this. 
when he revealed to him that there's a river flowing from the throne of God, did he not take him by the hand and take him to a place where he was ankle deep in it? Then knee deep in it? Then waist deep in it? And then he was baptized to where he had to swim in it? I believe that's a picture of a growing relationship with the Holy Spirit. Where you're, you're born again, you're a Christian, but you realize this thing is hard. It's hard to love without Jesus. And, and this old world is hard. And, and Brother Brian, being, being a Christian is hard. I don't see that in the Bible. I see in the Bible that the way of the transgressor is hard. You know what I see in the Bible? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. He is the one, there is a river. <laughs> there is a river whose streams shall bring hardness to the people of God <laughs> who brings gladness. And I believe you can find that the Holy Spirit is real and he's wonderful. And if you'll keep walking with him, it'll be ankle deep, so to speak. And you can go a little further and it'll be knee deep and you'll have more, you'll experience more of his power and goodness in your life. You can reach a place where it's waist deep. You'll have more of his love and life and hope and joy. I keep throwing out joy, but I'm big on this joy stuff that comes from heaven. And I believe you can reach a place where you're just carried by the Spirit. Obviously, you know, you, those first three places, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, you're still in control because you can walk in that. When it got over his head, he, wasn't, he couldn't control. He wasn't walking anymore. It was carrying him. And I believe that it's a growing relationship. Now listen, don't get hung up on doctrine and what does your crowd believe? What does your crowd believe? I just know this. I need God's touch. I need the help of God. And you know what I found out? There is a river. And his streams bring gladness to the city of God and to this heart right here. I need the touch of God in my life. I, uh, let's do something. Let's go... We got time real quick. Turn with me back to Acts chapter two. I want to show you something. Well, turn to Acts chapter one. I believe there should be a continual work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I think we get to places where we dry up. I think we get to places where we stagnate. I think we mess up and we need a continual fresh work of the Spirit of God. Now, I believe churches need a fresh work of the Holy Spirit over and over and over. I don't believe it's a one shot deal. And a lot of people would disagree with that, but let me just ask you to look at a couple of verses right here. Acts chapter one, Jesus said this, and being a, verse four, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you've heard from me. John baptized you with water. Were they saved? Yeah, they were saved. They were baptized by John. They professed Jesus as their savior. John baptized you with water. You shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. And uh, they said, well, well, when are you going to come back? And he said to them, verse seven, that's not what you need to be thinking about. Don't worry about the times and seasons. Verse eight, you shall receive what? Verse eight, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Tell me what the Holy Spirit brings into people's lives. It's the very power of God. And he's promised power from heaven. And you shall be what? Witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go be a missionary. And it doesn't mean you're going to go to work and you're going to preach. It just means the power of God is going to come in your life and people are going to see Jesus in you wherever you go. You'll be a witness wherever you go. All right, is that a promise of Jesus? By the way, next verse, he takes off and goes back to heaven. What's the last thing Jesus promised? I'll give you the power of God to show the world what I look like. It's the Holy Spirit of God. Now, we've already read Acts chapter 2. All right, you, all you Bible scholars sitting in the auditorium here today, did the Holy Spirit come in Acts chapter 2? Absolutely. Did he fill them with his presence and power? Did they look drunk? I know, I know people struggle with that drunk thing. Don't, don't take your uh, Baptist scissors or your Presbyterian scissors or your Methodist scissors and cut it out. The word stands. 
I saw they're filled with the Holy Spirit. He promised it in chapter one. He saw it, here it came in chapter two. Turn one page to chapter four. There, Simon and, and uh, John are arrested for preaching. They get in trouble. They get hauled before the council and they tell them, don't you ever preach in this man's name again. Something about the Holy Spirit stirs people up wrong sometimes. He said, don't you ever preach in this man's name again. And they said, uh, they said, forget it. So they go back and get with their buddies and they're going to have what to call a prayer meeting. We need to go back to prayer meetings. And uh, they got back with their buddies and they explained to them, uh, you know, what's going on. And they told them. And so they decided they're going to pray. Verse 23, being let go, they went to their companions and reported all the chief priests and elders said to them, when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. All right, you've just been threatened and you've been told you better not preach again. What are you going to ask for? What are you going to pray for? Lord, deliver us. Lord, what are you going to pray for? Look at their prayer. Verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats. Grant to your servants that with all boldness we might speak your word. When they were persecuted for preaching, what did they ask for? Power to preach it even louder and harder. You just got to love these kind of people. Verse 31. Watch these words. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. I thought they were filled in chapter two. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Go all through the Bible. You'll find people getting filled over and over and over. These people had a need. They went back to God and he refreshed their spirits, poured his spirit out on them again. I'm telling you, there is a, I've had a revelation that there is a river that flows from the throne of God and he's the power of God. And if you'll walk with him, you can start ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. He'll give you more and more of his spirit if you'll just walk with him. Remember, he walked with him and it, there was a measurement, which means a period of time and space. And the spirit of God got stronger and greater and greater in Ezekiel's life. And the deal is the power of God came into their lives and stayed there and gave them grace. All righty. I'm going to say it again. You can live without the Holy Spirit of God. You can uh, be a good person, go to church and all that. Here's my question. Why would you? Why would you do without the gift of God's strength and life? You know why people do without it? They don't know about it. They've never had a revelation of the life and hope of God to come in there. I want to quote one more and then we're done. One of the funniest places in all the Bible. You follow through the book of Acts. You see God doing things. And let me just quote to you one of the strangest passages in the Bible. See if you find yourself in here. Acts chapter 19, it said that my beloved brother Paul was preaching. He came to a city called Ephesus. He found some believers there. And matter of fact, the Bible called them disciples. You know, a disciple is an upgrade from a believer. A believer is somebody who trusts Jesus. A disciple is somebody who wants to follow him every day. He found some disciples there. So he fellowshiped with them and listened to what he said. And he said to them, have you received the Holy Spirit? Now, let me ask you a question. <laughs> Why would a preacher find a group of Christians, sit down and spend some time with them and then go and then ask them, do y'all not know about the Holy Spirit? Why would he ask them that? It was obvious that they were disciples. They loved God. They took him in, they fellowship. But him watching them caused him to ask, y'all don't know about the Holy Spirit, do you? Wonder why he'd ask that. Because he could see something was missing in their lives. Maybe it was the strength. Maybe it was the gladness. Maybe these people were worried and afraid and struggling. And he didn't fuss at them. He just said, I'm, I'm glad you love Jesus. I'm glad you follow Jesus. But you need the Holy Spirit in your life to live the complete Jesus life. You need the touch of God in your life. And the Bible said they were filled. And of course, out of that little meeting, guess what came? One of the greatest churches in history, the church at Ephesus, which of course the letter of Ephesians was written to. I think it's funny when a preacher looks around and says, 
Y'all don't know about the Holy Ghost around here? And that's so strange. Why would a preacher ask something like that? Because obviously if he's going to ask that, you can see where the Holy Spirit is. Somebody should call it like the fruit of the Spirit. All right, I pray I don't offend. I'm really trying to help you tonight. I get around people and and they're very religious. They are good people. They're sincere. And I just want to go, have you never heard of the Holy Spirit of God? You, You need help. You need His strength. You need His grace. Gracious knows you need His joy in your life. You could use His peace right now. You need God in your life. And you need the presence of God to come in your life. And that's why I encourage people, plant yourself. Plant yourself where the river runs. Personal testimony and I'm done. All righty. Now, what did Jesus say in John chapter 7? He said, you got to see it. you got to come. you got to drink. There's the three words. you got to see you got to come, you got to drink. There was nobody's going to go after something until they see it. And so many dear people, especially in my evangelical circles, have been poisoned by bad teaching against the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Jesus himself. He is God's gift to you. The Father gave the Son for your salvation. Jesus gave the Spirit for your life on this earth. You don't need to refuse anything Jesus gives. And I see it. All right, I'm a young man. I got saved and I loved God. I knew I was changed from the inside out. Uh, just great salvation. I began to follow the Lord. And guess what I found? I found out that it was tough, tough. Because, you know, got my old friends calling me, wanting to get drunk again and raise cane and all that. And, and then I got in, I made a great mistake. I started going to church. I found out it was really tough to follow Jesus if you go to a church because all I wanted was Jesus. I didn't want all the stuff the church was doing. And uh, man, it was hard. And I, I, I did what they call backslid. You can, either, you can either call it backsliding or you can call it not ever knowing about the Holy Spirit, whichever one you want to call it. And man, I just struggled along and then I got straightened out. Then I became a preacher and I'm trying and, and it, you know, they, and they, here's what they told me. You got to hang in there for the Lord. You got to tough it out. When we all get to heaven, it'll all be worth it then. Come on, brother. I thought, God, heaven's looking pretty good right now. When's it coming? I'm being serious. It just, I was a powerless believer. I loved God. I was powerless. I mean, tossed here and there by every conflict and, and, People say, that's normal. I don't want to be normal. I want to be like Jesus. And I'm struggling along. And all of a sudden, a friend of mine said, come with me to my church. And I said, no, y'all, y'all them snake handlers. Y'all put that emphasis on the Holy Ghost and it scares me to death. Cause, and I, besides, I ain't wearing no black dress. I ain't going to do that stuff. And it just made me nervous. And long story short, I realized there was more. Because I was taught that you got it. You got it. You just got to be strong. They ain't enough strong in you to stand against the darkness of this age by yourself. I don't care how tough you are. You need the power of God in your life. That's why Jesus said you will receive power when the spirits come and people will see Jesus in you. And I began to realize there's a Holy Spirit. But here's my problem. I didn't want anybody's brand. I just wanted God. I ran into a guy one day. His name's Ken Helzer. And Ken and I became buddies. And uh, we're sitting there talking one day on his picnic table. He said, you're Baptist, aren't you? And I said, yeah. I said, you're Pentecostal, charismatic. He said, yeah. And I said to him, I'm sick of Baptists. I'm, I'm sorry. He said, I'm sick of what I got too. He said, Jesus has got to be better than everything we've both seen. So we met in the middle and decided that Jesus was real and we wanted him. And to make a long story even longer, I began to realize there is more out there than just do the best you can. And I began to seek the Holy Spirit of God and I would have meetings with him and he would come to me just like a person would walk up and I'd miss it and I'd mess up 
and I've struggled along. And to be honest with you, many times where I've been ill, why didn't somebody teach me this long time ago? Why didn't they tell me the truth of the Bible that I've seen in the Word now? But I've discovered there is a river. And uh, you say, well, you don't live a perfect life. Oh, the river's not for perfect people. And he won't make you perfect. Why do you think you have to keep on being filled? Because we leak. We leak. You wouldn't need to be filled if you didn't keep leaking. This ain't hard. Listen, I've got a great truck, but if you don't fill it up, you're going to be sitting on the side of the road. It has to have fuel. The Holy Spirit of God is the fuel of our lives. You have to fill up. And a matter of fact, my wife has a rule. You're not allowed to talk to anybody until you go meet God first thing every morning. Because I need thee every hour. And I've discovered there is a precious Holy Spirit who brings life and healing and hope. And to be honest with you, I just love him. He's like a friend to me. I've learned to talk to him. I've learned to drink from Jesus. You say, well, tell me how to do it. Tell me how to do it. You go to Jesus and you tell him with an honest heart, I want the touch of God on my life. Let me tell you something I discovered about the Holy Spirit. It's in James chapter four, verse five. Do you think the scripture says in vain that the spirit who lives in you yearns jealously? The very spirit that's inside of you would love to fill you with the power of God. The very spirit that lives in you, he longs to help you. He wants to give you the joy. Our God is a giver. He is gracious. He's generous. And he's offered his spirit to carry you. The deal is to see there is something more. Number two, to desire and to long. So I'd, I'd love to have the touch of God on my life. I, I'd long to have more of it. But then you've got to come and learn how to be filled with the Holy Spirit and let him fill your life. You tell him, I need your help. I need to get to know you. And I want you to fill my life so that I can be what this Bible says. And I promise you, you can have a relationship with him. Now, I want to caution you, you don't get zapped. It's not a one-shot deal. When I went to a place, when it hit me, I, I saw a blinding light. When it hit me, I, listen, God don't hit people. God fills people. And you need a continual filling of the Spirit. So I want to encourage you, if this applies to you, there is a river that runs through the Bible. It runs all the way to the last page of the Bible and we will know him in heaven forever. You need the Holy Spirit of God in your life. So I want to encourage you, dear friend. I want to encourage you, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Let the Spirit of God fill your life and let him come inside of here. I, I'm just one of them people. And this is, I'm quitting right here. Sure enough, I'm quitting. I'm, see, my Bible's closed. I'm quitting. All right, here's the deal. I want people to know the power of God so bad. I'm glad people are saved. I believe everybody needs to be saved, go to heaven. I believe people need to be in a church and have friends. But I want people to know what it is to have the touch of God on their lives. I want people to know what it is to hear his voice in their hearts. I want people to know what it is to be shocked by God. And something happened and they go, what was that? Who was that? I want you to know the power of God and His touch on your life so that you can know His love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. I want you to know that was God right there. I want Him to be real to you. All righty, let's hunger and thirst till we're filled with His Spirit. Let's talk to Him. Dear Jesus, I love you and praise you. My soul gets so excited when I think about the fact that you're so real and you're so good and that you died to give me eternal life. You gave me a word to show me who you are. But then you gave me the Holy Spirit of God to light that word up. And you gave me the Holy Spirit to carry me through this life. He's the one who teaches and guides and leads. And I praise you and thank you. But dear Jesus, where did all this stuff come from about you got to be tough and you got to hang in there and you got to do better? I don't see that in your word. What I see in your word is there is a river who flows from the throne of God. And wherever he flows, things come alive. 
And there's healing. Oh, dear Jesus, dear Jesus. The hearts that need healing in this land. The homes that need healing in churches. The churches that need to be healed. Why have we built a barrier to your spirit and become a swamp where the serpent rules instead of the touch of God? I pray for every single person listening and in here and every person listening, create a hunger in their hearts. If any man thirsts, if they'd like to experience God and His goodness and His love and His life and His hope, I trust you to do that. I want to praise you and thank you. I love you for dying for me and being, I think you're the most beautiful person in the world. Father, thank you for being a father to me. But dear Holy Spirit, I adore you. Thank you for being my strength. Thank you for the way that when I get where I am not fit for human consumption, in just a few moments, you can change all that. And I go from Brian to Jesus in 60 seconds. And I praise you and thank you for the wisdom, the insight. Thank you for making life so exciting. Thank you for the things you've shown me. Thank you for the revelation that you brought. Thank you for the peace that you bring on the inside. I love your peace. And I just praise you for everything you are. And I pray in Jesus' name on the prayer of our church now. Dear Lord Jesus, our church is not the building, it is the people. I do look forward to the day when the building's filled again. Dear Holy Spirit of God, I don't want this to be a place that you have walked off from. I don't want this to be a place where the fresh flow of God's Spirit can't get in here and bring life and healing. I do not want this to be a place where serpents hang out. I want this thing to be alive because you bring it here. I love you. Well, I could sit here and tell you I love you all night, but the folks have got to go get something to eat. I just praise you and thank you for your goodness. I trust you in Jesus' name to put a desire in the hearts of the people to know who you are and to experience this river that is still flowing from the throne of God into the earth today. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified. Our only goal is that Jesus be the most wonderful person on the earth to everybody. In his precious name we pray, amen.